is an executive assistant really a productivity hack? Is it actually beneficial or is it like just gone the way of the dinosaur or whatever? We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon Profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. I'm part of one of those expensive masterminds. And all the people in it make more money than I do. And one of the things I was surprised about was the fact that they all talk about the role of their executive assistant in their life and how they work together with that person. And it's a central part of how they operate. I was sort of surprised by that. And so in today's conversation, we are going to have a a deep dive into the issues of hiring an executive assistant, working with an executive assistant, the wisdom of it, and how to use it to defend your time and expand your. Uh, productivity. So, Michael, are you ready to jump into this fun topic? Yeah, we've not talked about this before, although actually no. I've had a, a VA of, of some kind of kind of partly executive assistant for about two and a half, three years now. So this is something I can speak to, to to a certain degree from experience, although there'll be interesting nuances to talk about what what is an executive assistant. But, you know, why is this a focus for you now, apart from you seeing a bunch of people making more money than you do and they're all doing something that's a very powerful sort of peer pressure kind of thing, isn't it? But but is there a more particular reason why you're focused on this now? Well, yeah, I guess it was not so much peer pressure in my mind is that modeling, you know, and they they always say, you know, if you're the smartest guy in the room you're in, you're in the wrong room. And part of joining that mastermind group this last year, it's it's a strategic coach. It's Dan Dan Sullivan is the the guy behind it. Great program. Many top, you know, internet entrepreneurs are part of it. And it was fun to join and it's been interesting to be a part of it. And so, I, you know, I'm trying to understand how other people have scaled and done successful, you know, growth of their businesses. And so I'm listening for the cues and the topics. Now, th- this hasn't been a topic in that group, you know, formally. It hasn't been an agenda item of the uh, presentations or conversations. I've just heard people making reference to the use of their executive assistants and it did you know, pique my interest. So as I went into 2022, I thought to myself, what can I do to change the game? We've seen tremendous growth in our business this last year and in our charity. And uh, we, you know, that it's, it's, it's awesome to, to see that happening, but I'm stretched for time and I'm trying to figure out how do I get better at time management? How do I get better at being more productive and to make sure that I don't start to uh, miss things. And so for both the business and for the charity, I think it's wise for uh, me to, to find and work with an executive assistant, which is something I've never done before. It's always, to be honest, felt like a luxury, maybe something like a little bit of, uh, you know, the executives have the executive assistant and they do all the traveling and speaking. And who am I to have such a a helper in my life. And so it's felt a little bit, I guess, maybe I have issues there. I don't know. But 
it's felt a little bit like a luxury or something. And so never gone down that path before. And so there you have it. That's uh, kind of the thinking behind it. Yeah, interesting. I, I guess it sounds like this is about the fact that it's a subset of time management, first of all. So you, you said productivity and not missing things. So the sort of carrot and stick reasons for it, right? Productivity mm-hmm. increased, more output, feel good, missing stuff, feel bad, good, good reasons to get one as well. So I guess it's kind of a subset of what we were discussing last time, wasn't it? Because we were talking about time management and protecting mm-hmm. your time. And I guess this comes in in focus on the system which is one of the things we talked about, isn't it? Growing a system so that we can take ourselves out of day-to-day operations and also maybe a little bit, depending on how the quality of the person you hire, eliminating your involvement in decisions. And I certainly, that's something I'm busy trying to work on with uh, my assistant right now is to get myself out of day-to-day micro decisions. So let's let's plunge into this. I mean, the first thing I guess we've got to do is define our terms. Yeah. Um, what, what do you mean by executive assistant? Is that the same as virtual assistant? Is that different from personal assistant? How, how are you seeing that? Yeah, it's a great question. I think thinking through the specific duties, I guess, whether it would be called a personal assistant or an executive assistant, I guess is debatable. The question about whether they're local or, you know, abroad, I guess was the first thing I started to think about. And so I'd be interested in your point of view on the difference if there is one between personal assistant and executive assistant, or is it just semantics? And, uh, but I guess we could talk through kind of the duties and responsibilities. And then I'd also be interested in your point of view on virtual, you know, kind of remote international versus local. My thinking is I'm going to be looking for someone who's based in the Philippines and will be working obviously remotely, you know, virtually in essence. What's your take on it? How do you define those terms? Well, so first of all, I think, as you were saying, you need to define specific duties. And I think that's one of the keys as we've talked about this before in hiring, but this is quite specific, isn't it? Often um, people think of an executive assistant as your first hire because they're going to help you personally. And if you're a solopreneur, that kind of makes sense. Now, obviously that's not your situation because you have some quite big teams in place already, but I would say it's good to differentiate not so much between location versus uh, the role, because I think the role itself is the one that people mess up the most and um, i can certainly talk about location and, and i've got executive well sort of virtual assistant who does some executive type stuff in the philippines so that's the only thing i'm familiar with i haven't had a va or a pa or an executive assistant in the in the uk i guess an ideal world i would do but that's probably not affordable for me i would say the most important thing is to define the fact that an executive assistant or personal assistant i think is similar except executive sounds grander because it implies that you're the executive right but apart from that semantics i do think there's a difference between that and a general virtual assistant a general virtual assistant for me is somebody who plugs into my business and may or may not help me with my personal tasks which is more or less what i have with my guy who does that and some some marketing stuff and some journal stuff including a little bit of personal assistant stuff. Whereas I think a personal or executive assistant is there to help you personally manage your diary and, and, and in short, not miss things and be more productive to your points. So I think there's a bit of a, a subtle difference between a PA or okay. a VA, sorry, executive assistant versus a general virtual assistant, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess I see it as if you're a kitchen table entrepreneur, e-commerce operator or whatever, and you hire someone for the first time, you would mm-hmm. call them your virtual assistant. And they, mm-hmm. maybe they do, they're jack of all trades, master of none. They do anything you you know, yeah. can hand off to them elegantly. So that's, a, I guess that's the difference between the role I'm in where I have executive teams actually and senior partners in both a corporation and in a charity. And so I, I'm, I'm not in a situation where I'm, I'm solopreneur. So I guess it would be more a personal assistant or an executive assistant. Yeah, I, I think that's the uh, demarcation that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you about your plan and, and what 
what do you hope to be the mm-hmm. outcome? I mean, first of all, what do you hope to be the outcome? Let's define that a bit more. You were saying more productivity, less missing things, but let's dig into that. Yeah, thanks. Like a therapy session. <laughs> I love it. Tell You're being my executive coach that. right now. It's so great. It's awesome. <laughs> That's exactly, I was just uh, asking, really, what is it you're trying to achieve? <laughs> yeah, well, so I think there's there's two or three top of mind tasks that came to my mind when I started to think about. The first one is, is inbox. You know, I currently have, at the moment, I'll tell you the exact number, 78,528 messages in my one email inbox. My second email inbox, I have 7,569 emails. So, so that one's not as bad as all, at all. And those are just my two primary emails that I use. So that's one thing. The other thing is calendaring and scheduling and uh, making sure that I'm optimized in terms of my my calendar. The third thing would be travel. I'd have a growing slate of trips scheduled for 2022 as we come out of COVID and we think we have opportunity to travel both uh, domestically and abroad. I want that to be a primary focus. And then I would say the uh, the fourth thing is sort of a nuanced thing, but it's sort of unique to our, our business, I guess. But many, I guess, business owners would have this situation. And that is relationships, cultivate cultivating relationships and staying in touch with clients and former clients prospective clients, that whole type of thing. So in essence, because of the consultancy that we run uh, as part of our business, making sure that people feel connected and that reminded of who we are, what we do, what we can do for them. And we're blessing them with, you know, gifts and, you know, books that might make sense, that kind of thing, you know, what I, you know what I mean? So that kind of outreach program to, to prospective reformer clients, that, that type of work. I think I've just felt like there's value there that I'm not, I just don't have the time to do it. But I know it's nice. It's nice when that happens to me, when my, you know, CPA sends me something or when, you know, I get another box of books from strategic coach, that kind of thing. And I, and I see those models and I say to myself, you know, that's a, a, there's wisdom there. It just takes time and effort to sort out, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I can speak to a couple of those. My, I've got, a, I would guess, an amazing FBA. So I guess I'm basically in that business of solopreneur, that sort of halo of people around it. But a full time, got a general virtual assistant slash um, content marketing assistant. But actually, uh, he does perform a couple of those roles. I can tell you that the inbox management is something I've been really pushing him hard on recently. And there are, there's something like two thirds of messages that can be dealt with by him. The inbox triage thing is really big because I find emails soak up a lot of my time and just kind of annoy me and, and are sort of very distracting because they, they don't relate to a particular topic. So they're kind of my least favorite task. And so I'm really pushing my VA at the moment to get them off my, my plate. And it's quite yeah. tricky because yeah. it depends on the nature of your, your business or charity in your case, but actually you can find there are like 30 different subtypes of tasks or 40 or 50. And I've really tried to chunk it into bits and gradually train him sort of going through it week week by week with with him to sort of tease those into categories to come up with SOPs and how, also to try and develop his common sense, which is why I think an executive assistant needs to have more now, more understanding than mm-hmm. merely a, a VA. And that develops over time. So I'm saying to him, look, I want us to get to the point in two months time where you make the decisions and there are going to be some mistakes made, but that saves me enough time for me to be able to help yeah. you know put up with that so that's really worthwhile i think and, and i've already seen the benefit of that so it's, it's definitely worthwhile no i think that's a huge one for me you know this last year i've i would say that was one of my weaknesses you know i've had important emails go unseen yeah 
and then I've seen a ton of junk. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing the wrong thing and not seeing the important, you know. Important yeah, thing, when so. you said that number, I mean, wow, I, I definitely think you need to hire somebody and, and focus them on your inbox for a while. So yeah, that's that's quite a scary number. Uh, the other thing I would say yeah. is that I don't know if it's unique to you cultivating relationships. I mean, it's not quite the same thing as client relationships, which I again I keep intending to send out books to my best clients, and I don't get around to it. So I hear you on that one. But also, we do have a pretty good way now of keeping in touch with guests for the podcast and prospective guests, which is a similar task. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would also say that's great value in that because it does save a lot of time and there's nothing you can't outsource about most of that stuff. So, okay, that's what you wanted to achieve. What's your actual plan to actually, you know, get this wonderful person that's going to sort through 78,000 emails. In their first <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So I've already started to look on onlinejobs.ph. I have a team leader for our, our Philippines-based team and that uh, she's amazing and she's helped do the recruiting process previously for team members that we've added through, you know, kind of managing that process of online jobs, PH, the the job posting, the, you know, screen of resumes, and then the setup of the interview. So she sort of served as a recruiter in that role, if you will. And so I'm going to kick things off with her. I already started to just look. And of course, there are just tons and tons and tons of of people with great backgrounds, ready, willing, and able to work in an executive assistant or personal assistant role on onlinejobs.ph. I think it's the go-to place if that's going to be the approach. And just, you know, at first glance, I'm like, okay, there's obviously just, you know, a huge number of prospective candidates here. And I, I think we'll kick that off. Our process generally has been that we kick it off. She reviews all the resumes and narrows it down to like three people for interviews. Then she does a first pass interview and then I would do, you know, the interview, second, second pass of the interview and, uh, and then we make the final decision. So that's, uh, that's the, the one part. I'm, I'm also just researching how best to do this. You piqued my interest when you just said that you have sort of a 30 types of emails in your inbox that could be triaged by, you know, a personal assistant. I'm going to have to ask you to lend me that. Excel charter, whatever you have, and tap the wisdom of the crowd here in terms of how best to do this. You know, you can you Google around and see what executive assistants are, you know, their top roles and duties are. And I, you know, we've got that. We've also I also looked at a Harvard Business Review article, just asking the question: Is is an executive assistant really a productivity hack? Is it actually beneficial, or is it like you know just gone the way of the dinosaur or whatever because it's not really beneficial? As it happens, it hasn't gone the way of the uh, the dinosaur because it actually does provide tremendous value in terms of productivity and uh, optimizing your your time and energy. And so you know those are the initial steps I've taken so far, and uh, I don't think it'll very be very long before we have this sorted out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I a couple of reflections. I mean, first of all, the idea of executive assistant maybe being an indulgence is if, if you think of it like Mad Men, where basically everyone's sort of getting their secretary to carry a message to somebody else's secretary, a bit like with pop stars, but get my people to speak to your people. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that's an exercise in vanity and, and kind of playing games. I would say, though, and, and this sounds like an exercise in vanity in games, and maybe it is, but a necessary one, it's a positioning tool. Having somebody able to speak to you directly, or rather you reply to them, you know, four months late with apologies, <laughs> rather than speak to your assistant, who will then set up a time for you, just comes across as more professional and puts a value yeah. on your time to people that approach you. And although that's partly about appearance, in your case, and 
I, I guess I would argue in my case that it's no longer about appearance. It's really actually necessary because otherwise we just can't mm-hmm. work in 20 hours a day. And so that's one thing. And about the recruitment process, just a few thoughts and responses. What I've actually found in practice is, is a couple of things. First of all, the best people have come from recommendations from other people, sometimes people they've used or some people, people they've recruited, but had kind of spare fellow e-commerce entrepreneurs actually had a referral from a client. Yeah. Yeah. They actually use professional HR recruiter. And I think that can be useful. I think the best people to know, you know, how to hire a virtual assistant, whether they're going to be an executive assistant, whatever else in the Philippines are VAs in the Philippines, especially if they have a PA background. So yeah. my best hires have been by um, Filipino lady herself, who was my original assistant and passed on by clients who'd hired through a professional process. And then she's recommended a couple of people since. Totally, well. totally agree with that. That's been our situation as well. So, you know, that I, I probably should have mentioned that uh, my first step might be to ask the team if they mm. know anybody. Yeah, because yeah. you're right. That has been the most productive way to find great team members. It's good to have a plan B, but I'd imagine, you know, based on what yeah. I've seen and what I've experienced personally and what I've seen with my friends, you're more likely to get somebody from that process, ideally. The other thing I would say is that I, what I did for the, the latest recruitment is have the outgoing person in the role, uh, Filipino lady, in, on the interview panel, and she pointed out some really great things that I would have missed. So I found that very, very helpful. So having existing Filipino team members on the panel, nice. they, they know the nuances to yeah. look for, yeah. but you don't necessarily know in the, in the Filipino culture or the, the sort of work habits and stuff. So yeah. that was really helpful. So that's the recruitment side. What about that small thing of onboarding people because obviously you get somebody even if they're well qualified and experienced and bright and got a great work ethic and all the things we're looking for they've still got to get their heads around you know your seventy-eight thousand email inbox and, and everything else about your business life so how are you planning to go about that well they might break carefully not to uh, scare them off and have <laughs> yeah. them immediately quit no I, I i think probably my hope is that hiring someone with good solid experience will allow them to speak into the process a bit in terms of how best to uh, to approach the work, you know, sort of that who, not how uh, thing where I don't have to onboard them to something I haven't done before. They onboard me to something they've done before. And so I think there's some wisdom there. And then, you know, the other reality is we have, I have a team leader, you know, the Philippines for the team there that does in essence handle the, the things like time off requests and, you know, 13th month and pay, pay issues, all that kind of stuff. And so that would continue to be the case. They'd be a part of our team that's based in the Philippines. So that team leader would be, in essence, the point person who would help with a lot of onboarding and orientation in terms of our, our corporate, you know, style and approach and all that. So that'll be uh, helpful in that regard. And then beyond that, I guess I'll be learning as I go, tapping the wisdom of the crowd and asking, you know, people like you and other people who I partner with, how best do you approach this topic and, you know, pro tips, that kind of thing. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, the only thing I would say is, um, and I'm not a person who's a great example of this because I've made this mistake. So I can feedback my mistake of going with a similar thought to you in that way. If you've got some people who can onboard them onto your sort of the, the, the business in general and the culture, that's going to really, really accelerate things. But nevertheless, I think going in, hoping the VA is going to define the job, I've found personally anyway not to have worked so well for me and i've gradually realized that it's my job to define the job now it does depend who you hire and and how organized your business is your business probably way more organized with your team leader in place than 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 my activities have been so in which case it's easier for them to figure out what they should do but my my thought would be go and talk to these guys in your expensive mastermind that's kind of the point of being in one isn't it to go and Mm -hmm. tap them and just say right get get a bit of a survey what do you guys use your virtual assistant for and i i would differentiate also between 
and this is kind of teaching my grandmother to suck heads, but it strikes me that the outcomes you want are not the same as the tasks you want them to do. And that's not the same as how they perform the tasks. I think if you get real goal clarity, then to some extent it will become obvious what tasks are really worth doing. And I agree with the inbox thing, no, mm -hmm, no question. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that, it, it can be that you can artificially limit yourself by thinking in, in an overly granular way, you know, yeah. rather than saying, I want this outcome. Uh, and then in order to achieve that, what, what tasks do I need yeah. to give? And then no. go talk to your executive friends and see what they're doing. You know? Yeah, too right on that. I think they even have resources, trainings and tips and that kind of thing already documented and well put together. I just haven't yeah. tapped into them, but I, I think they're actually there inside yeah. the strategic coach community. Yeah. I'd imagine they would be. I mean, I guess that's the yeah. kind of point of having having something like that. Yeah. So I'd yeah. imagine that starting with the sort of almost a cookie cutter template and then tweaking it to suit your the outcomes you want rather mm -hmm. than getting obsessed mm -hmm. with particular tasks, I think is is a great idea because having not done it that way, I can tell you it's a bit messy. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, great conversation today. Shall we put a bow on it and and, and summarize here and then and, and wrap it up? Yeah, sure. Do you want to go over any, any of the other sort of activities that you you think a, a VA could? A, 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 oh, a, sure. Yeah, yeah. An executive assistant, because I can see we've got a bit of a list here, which looks like good ones for. Yeah, for you know, I mean, I think if you if you search around, you'll see the top activities for executive assistants: managing the executive schedule, representing executive when they can't be there. Now that would be interesting. I don't know that that would be a situation in my case, but whatever. Preparing and just managing documents, data that kind of thing, dealing with confidential issues and, uh, and situations, producing reports and presentations, really being the, you know, and this is sort of old school, like, oh, can the boss do the PowerPoint presentations or not? <laughs> that kind of stuff. I've no, you know, it's like, okay, that's sort of ridiculous. But, you know, somebody who could polish up reports and, you know, kind of weed through them, data analysis, that kind of thing, and or keep something like a data studio or a dashboard for the business uh, updated might be an interesting uh, angle. And, and then the things I mentioned aren't even on this list that I, you know, that I found, but the things like the inbox, the, the uh, travel you know, details and, and, and a follow up with clients and, hmm. and, you know, acknowledging people and that kind of thing. So there you have it. That's the list. By the way, I, I found producing presentations, like, trust me, cause I, you know what I'm like, I've done presentations for your, your groups. I, I think I generally in the end do a good presentation, but it's normally last minute. And I've used my VAs more than once to, to uh, help me, you know, fill in presentations. I've basically gone to bed and said, right, I've got 40 blank slides. Please, please go and pick some bait, choose some suitable images and yeah. upload them. So that can be, you know, presentations, things like that actually I've sure. found can be a great use of an assistant, actually. Yeah. One one thing we haven't really dealt with is is the whole thing of international versus local. We haven't really sort of delved yeah. into that. So is it worth talking about that? You, you mentioned the Philippines. So you made a decision that you want them to be international, not local, even though, you know, yeah. possibly is that an affordability thing? Is it, it what is what's behind that? You know, it's a great question. I think it's a situation, an office building that we're remodeling that we're not in yet. And I don't see us being in it soon. Once we're there, we'll hire local, you know, receptionist slash assistant uh, role. And we'll be back in the in sort of traditional office, you know, kind of environment. But we're not there right now. We're It's all the whole team's virtual everywhere. And so the question is, if you're going to have virtual uh, executive assistant, what benefit or value is there in them being local or even in the United States? And so then it turns into sort of a question of cost and, you know, the, the availability of folks to work with. And the Philippines has, uh, 
you know, a fantastic, you know, kind of a set of benefits there in terms of uh, finding the right person. So that was sort of the, the logic. If we were in our building today, it might very well just be a local person who, you know, comes in and to the office and works in sort of a traditional uh, role, but we're, we're just not there right now. So, you know, that was sort of the thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. I mean, I guess that you're going to get more of a spread of available people in the Philippines who are used to that kind of role. I mean, there are certainly, mm-hmm. obviously, in the UK or US, people are used to that kind of role, but you can certainly multiply the figure that you need to pay them by five or six times. And then right. the job market's so tight in the US and UK right now. I yep. just, I don't know how it is in the Philippines. I haven't experienced that it's been particularly high, difficult to hire. No, so, yeah. and I think that's a key consideration. Obviously, the financial difference is, uh, is striking. You know, I mean, if you look at onlinejobs.ph, you see that there are people who are ready, willing, and able to work 30 to 40 hours a week for or let's say between $500 and $1,000 a month. And that is their stated wage that they're excited about. They put those numbers out there. That's not something that we're imposing on them. That's their stated wage that they're interested in earning. And, you know, for a lot of us who are international, we see that as just incredible cost savings. And the competency level and quality of the work is fantastic with many, many people that we've worked with and, and, and work with right now, work with in the past as well from the Philippines. And so the question is, what, why would you not you know, go down that path? And there's really no reason not to if you have super competent people and the wage scales make it much more uh, affordable to you. I, there's a lot of wisdom there. Um, it's really an internationalization of, you know, it's globalization of work. And so then the question is, is it logical? Does it make sense? Is it ethical? All of those considerations go into it. And, and I think there is, there's a lot of wisdom in thinking through that for, for cost saving issues and, and, and the like. So there you have it. Yeah. That's my kind of sentiment on that. Yeah. I would say a couple of things. I mean, the first of all, if, as you've expressed, and this, you, I'm sure you're not going to be the only person out there feeling this, a slight sort of guilt or, or, or who am I to hire an executive assistant or some feeling like that. It's not hard to get, you know, work that's worth more than $4 an hour if you're not doing something completely foolish, like on Facebook mm-hmm. or something. You know, that puts the barrier to how can I justify it? It, it really makes it a very low barrier to jump, doesn't it? Whereas if you're hiring somebody for $40 an hour or something or 50 good executive assistants, quite expensive in the UK. I've, I've had quotes for 30, 40 pounds an hour, so 50, mm-hmm. 60 then it's harder to justify, can I make, you know, $100 a, an hour worth, yeah. to, you know, the, that's the first thing. In essence, yeah, sure. Yeah, and the other thing I've found, I have to say, I'm in London, which is a very international city, which ironically means you've got very full employment, even before the pandemic, sort of post-pandemic era, we'll see what happens next. But the quality of people that you can get to work in things, I've never really tried to hire in London, but the quality of service you get pretty much anywhere from British people can be pretty low. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that the quality of service you get from really great British people isn't good, but you have to pay a lot of money for that. Whereas yeah. the culture in the Philippines, they're geared to service and they, yeah. they understand American culture. So That's given interesting. that marketing is kind of Americanized anyway, it, it really helps that from from the very first hire, you have a good attitude and, and a willingness that I think is harder to find in Britain. And yeah. I don't know how it is in America. That's just different again. You know? No, and the, and the labor market in the US is insanely challenging right now. I mean, you yeah, know, there's sure. many, many businesses who are struggling to find people to work at any price point almost. It's like, you know, it, it, they just keep escalating the the hourly rate because they're not finding people willing to jump in and do the, do the work. And, and to the extent that that's a local job that requires, you know, like being 
physically present in the location, then that's the constraint that business operator has to, uh, to, to suffer through and, and sort out. For many of us, our businesses are virtual in any, any way. We're just on Zoom and email and Skype and WhatsApp and whatever, you know, virtual tools with our team members. So in essence, it removes that localness requirement and therefore makes the recruiting global. And there you have it. I mean, it's an opportunity for us to do well and you know, I, I tried for three or four or five years to work with, uh, you know, folks in the Philippines and could never figure it out because it just didn't, I didn't recruit well. I didn't manage well. I didn't sort it well. And then finally in 2017, really in essence, hired a team because I bought a company and that team was a team of rock stars and they showed me the ropes and they showed me how to work with, you know, people in the Philippines effectively. And that has made all the difference in my thinking about this. And so, you know, that it's been very, very um, eye-opening and, and fun and interesting to learn how to work with a global team of people who are high quality, high you know, skill set, high talent folks who are ready, willing, and able to help you grow the biz. And it's just been a, a, an honor to do that and, and to work in that way since 2017. And so I'm looking forward to adding a team member in this regard, you know, sort of in that form. Yeah. Nice. Well, this is uh, an exciting moment. I I'm really glad that you feel, you know, you're worth it, as L'Oreal will say. I I I'm sure you are. And I think you're going to find that after the teething troubles, that inbox alone, man, I'm worried now. <laughs> 37, 78,000 emails. There might please be don't, please don't email me anything, Michael. It's really not helping if you email me. <laughs> I never do, which is why we communicate by a messenger. Now I get it. So, uh, yeah, but joking apart, I think that a lot of people are in that situation. And how, how can you even manage an inbox there? I mean, my inbox has got 40 emails in and I'm worried about that. So, you know, I, I guess that's, you know, definitely something you should do. And I think a lot of people listening yeah. and watching should be really strongly considering it as well. So if you've inspired them to get over the hump, as it were, and, and actually do this, then that's a great thing. Do you want yep. to just uh, quickly summarize the, the points we've gone over today, your, your thoughts on the wisdom of having an executive assistant to defend your time? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you have it. The topic for the day is the wisdom of having an executive assistant to defend your time, help you organize your life and increase productivity. The opportunity to do it is fairly straightforward and well, and even documented by organizations like Harvard Business Review will drop an article in the show notes. And the process by which you can do this, if you want to hire abroad, includes looking at sites like onlinejobs.ph. The roles and duties are pretty straightforward and have been tested and tried over the years by many, many people. And so you can create your own short list of activities. But I think it's something to look into, learning from the wisdom of other business executives and giving yourself the right or permission to work with a high quality, high caliber executive assistant, I think is potentially a next step for for you if you're not doing that right now. I know that's the situation I'm in. So there you have it. That's the recap. Michael, as always, it's an honor to collaborate together. We're having a good time on Spotify lately in terms of listenership and subscribership. I noticed on Spotify, by the way, as we wrap up here, that there is now a ratings or a, a review function. And I think it didn't used to be there or it's back on or I don't know, but but it is there. And if you're listening on Spotify, we would love to have you review the show and rate it. And uh, you can do that by looking at the e-commerce leader show right at the top of the show underneath the badge. There's a little review tool. And then, of course, the Colin app is hopping for us. <laughs> Our show on the Colin app airs every Tuesday. And we are the number seven show in the education category, the number 
15 show in the business category. And uh, it's really just exciting to see that come together. So if you haven't checked out our episodes in the call-in app, we'd love to have you do that as well. Any final thoughts, Michael, before we wrap up? That's great. I frankly had missed that Spotify was doing rating now. So that's very exciting because we seem to be doing particularly well on Spotify. So yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be great if you can give us a bit of a love. We're giving you the best we can give you for free. And don't forget, Jason's a person that's um, earned goodness that has how much money charge money for udemy courses books and indeed one-to-one and, and I do charge you know, money you do charge money so we're getting it for free so all we're asking for is stars really you know yeah. uh, it'll take 30 seconds on an app so that would be really fantastic and yeah the call-in show very exciting we, we sort of jumped about 10x the number of people downloading and loading each show recently so yeah, uh, yeah come yeah. and join that be on the cutting edge of an app when it's taking off and experience that for yourself yeah, absolutely right. If people aren't familiar with that and we haven't heard us talk about it before, it is an app that uh, runs on your phone and it's basically a combo of podcasting and social where you can uh, have people join your shows, you can listen live, uh, the whole nine yards. It's sort of an integration of a social media app and uh, and the podcasting app. So go check that out and then look for the e-commerce leader a call-in show. We do that with Kyle Hamer and then Michael and I. And uh, it's a fun fast format. Usually the episodes are 15 to 20 minutes and we just give you our hot takes on specific e-commerce topics. And uh, it's really fun to get people's uh, perspective real fast and we move on and go from there. So there you have it. Michael, as always, it's an honor. Appreciate the chance to hang out with you and learn from you. In this case, to you know, pick your brain on how best to do this. You coached me today and I really, really appreciate that. So thanks, man. <laughs> My pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk to you as well. Lots and lots yep. of learning. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app for free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels. Just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.